podcast listeners, welcome back to the Relationship Show with Dr. Wendy and Miss Jenny. In this episode, we're talking to Sandra Fisher, creator of Relationship Reveal, who believes self-knowledge is the ideal path to self-worth. We spoke with her via Skype about Relationship Reveal and some of what she's learned about finding, keeping, and maintaining healthy relationships over her many years as a business and personal development consultant. But what is Relationship Reveal, Jenny, you just might be asking? Well, at first, this 6x8 box wrapped in cellophane looks like some new kind of party game. But once you open it, you realize it's so much more. Sandra created Relationship Reveal to help us gain insight into our connections with loved ones and ourselves through examination and exploration of 63 elements, what she calls skills, that would ideally exist in any romantic relationship, most of which would ideally exist in any relationship, even in small amounts. Inside the Relationship Reveal box are two decks of 64 cards apiece, one for each of the 63 skills, and a blank, just in case you come up with one yourself that you want to add. There's a quick start guide, an activity map, and a 131-page guidebook containing more detailed information on how you might choose to use the cards. Each card contains a provocative question to get you thinking, talking, or listening, along with some suggestions on how you can start to develop that particular card skill. This is a tool, a game, a program, whatever you want to call it. You can use this with your loved ones or by yourself. You can use it at a dinner party. And for those in the therapy, coaching, or consulting arena, Relationship Reveal can help easily facilitate tough conversations with all kinds of clients. Relationship Reveal is the winner of the Living Now Books for Better Living Book Award and can be found at RelationshipReveal.com as well as through Amazon. And just FYI, in this episode, if you hear some bells tinkling in the background, you're not imagining things. That's Dr. Wendy's cat Stardust doing its very best to get in on the conversation. So come on, let's get to the conversation. I've loved, I've been listening to some of your other podcasts and I love the variety and um, the rapport you guys have with the folks you have on your show. So it's great. Thanks. We just, yeah, we're we're really glad to have you here. And I think this is such an interesting uh, project tool creation that it's not even a project anymore. It's a real thing, which I love. Yeah. Uh, and I can really appreciate that's kind of why we do the podcast, too, because it's something we can complete, you know, because in mm. our work, people are never done. But this is something we do and get out there in the world. So I uh, have a lot of respect for all the hard work that has obviously gone into this. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was uh, it was a labor of love and it was. um really, really fun. It was a big risk. Um, it was a leap of faith. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, no matter what happens to it out in the world, it, uh, it was one of the most fun things I've ever done. So, and it's, it's been fun to see the positive results it's really had for people. Um, in, you know, people have reported back to me everything from, you know, couples who've been together over 10 years are learning new things about each other. And, you know, other people have said, wow, it kind of saved our relationship. And, um, so when people use it, it, it actually is working, which is a great feeling. So I like that. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to this wonderful project? Absolutely. Um, so I have, 
uh, always been a real study and had a lot of interest in human interaction and how people get where they are. I have a um, a very interesting uh, family history, and uh, my parents were married, divorced. Um, married uh, another person in between, then um, divorced again, then remarried to each other. So I've seen a lot of different things. Um, I've seen a lot of different relationships. And I was always really interested in, in how people connect. And then when I was also really interested in crossing cultures. So I did a study abroad program in high school where I went to Germany and I couldn't speak with the mother that was there. And so my goal then was to go back, learn German. And the next time I saw her, be able to talk not only in her language, but using, you know, a cultural context for her. So it was uh, it was a really fun journey to start looking um, at human behavior through the lens of culture. And then that led me into the corporate world and um, working primarily with people development um, across cultural boundaries, but also uh, within organizations and then did a lot of organizational effectiveness work as well. So we used uh, a tool there a lot called competencies. And that really, um, I thought, was such an interesting way to help people understand what's going to help be- make them successful because everything then became really unambiguous um, you know, if you these are the things, the skills that we're looking for for this particular job, and some of them were task based, and some of them were more behaviorally based um, or knowledge based, and it really helped people understand what it is they needed to do for success. So, um, a friend of mine and I, um, about eight years ago, were sitting in a, at a spa in a hot tub and just talking about you know relationships and. You know, we were seeing a lot of our friends and having a bunch of challenges. And it, it just, I kept going back to this competency model and how well it worked in corporate America. And I thought, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if we just had relationship competencies? And, you know, then really helped outline for people, you know, kind of the really wide range of things that they needed to be successful. You know, because there's a lot of things that people will say, you know, here, are, you know, you do these three things and, you know, you're going to make a big change in the quality of your connection with your partner. But really, there's a whole bunch of stuff of varying levels of importance to people. And I wanted to be able to sort of capture that in one place and make it really as simple as possible for people to get their arms around that information. And also to make it tactile so people could sit down in front of each other, look each other in the eye and spend time you know, working with the cards in a really visual way um, that sometimes in our world of technology Um, we don't get that as much anymore. So people often ask me, are you going to make this into an app? And, and I thought about it and, you know, maybe at some point there'll be some sort of supplemental app, but it really defeated from a value standpoint, what I was hoping for with people is that they would actually either sit down and think about it with themselves without a technology interface, but also really sitting down and talking with the other people in their lives. Oh no. how could we have people sit down and give eye contact and <laughs> facial expressions? And, you know, uh, I, I just want to say I have a couple questions for you. And I, you haven't even explained it yet, but I'm really excited about it. And I can um, see myself using this with couples, with families, in my group settings, with young adults. It's It's terrific. It really helps you to think about things that you have not thought about and just layers and layers of thoughts and feelings. And then you give the, the tools, you really do. You give ideas that really can help branch off to other coping skills. So 
I do want you to explain it, but I also was curious, did you ever come across people who had a resistance to it or it was a bit threatening, just not even opening the box or too touchy-feely, any of that? Um, uh, absolutely. Um, I think it's kind of par for the course when you're asking people to grow and do something different in their lives. There's people are incredibly resistant, um, to change. And I think sometimes, you know, people buy products like this, um, out of hope and then they ignore it out of fear. (laughs) Um, and I think it's the same with self-help books, um, with other products and, you know, even often, you know, they'll go to a class or, um, do something, but, you know, they kind of dig their heels in until they really see a value in the change. And so that's really one of the big challenges that I've, I'm still working on overcoming is how to get people to, to jump in and be willing to make that investment. Because when you show up with something like this, and even with a self-help book, um, there's this implication that something is wrong. And, um, one of the messages I really want to convey to people is, the time to invest in your relationship is before it's broken. Um, you know, we don't uh, wait to invest in our retirement until we're actually retired. So with our relationships, if we make those little investments every single day, um, you know, even simple things like, you know, when you stop at the door and you kiss your partner when they come home in the evening um, and you see each other again, you know, and you stop and you do, you know, I think what Gottman refers to as that six second kiss. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that is an investment in showing up for your partner. And Sandra, I I work a lot with couples and whether it's couples or family, you know, it's interesting because it's so easy to kiss the child or be affectionate with the child. But when we ask couples at any stage to really make an effort for the six uh, second kiss or, you know, just greetings, salutations, it is the hardest thing. And I have couples I've worked with for five, seven years, and they still can't even master a hello or a goodbye. It feels too intimate. It feels too overwhelming. Uh, they're invested in kind of a, the uh, adrenaline rush uh, addiction of mm-hmm. just kind of just get, keep going and, and going through and just walking in that door and, you know, saying hi to the kid, making the dinner and, you know, reading a frantic storybook and doing laundry, you know, instead of just taking a deep breath. And I think your program really helps people think, just slow down, mm-hmm. breathe and like connect. And it's it, it, so even a hello or a goodbye is so very hard even a breath. Yeah. You know? In in our house, it's it's the rule. And I, I don't know whether it was from Gottman or whether it was uh, I saw in on your website, Sandra, some of the books that you recommend are many of the ones that uh, Wendy and I often reference. Uh, and the other option, I think it could have been um, David Schnark, David Schnark, mm-hmm. uh, Passionate Marriage where we greet each other if even if i'm across the house you know if i hear him if i don't have my headphones in if i'm not editing or something you know if i'm here i have to get to the door i mean we we have to make the dog wait the dog wants wants my husband like right away right she's just like i gotta i gotta lick those nostrils but it's no i have to get in there first 
And I really don't want the dog spit on the nostrils first, but that's not why. But yeah, it's the priority. And they say that that's how it should be with the, if you've got kids as well, right? That you greet each other first and then, and then the children or the dog or anybody else. You know, Jenny, it's intention, right? If we mm-hmm. put our focus on what is important to us, whether it's taking a deep breath, to be mindful of just breathing in and breathing out, you know, and I, I always say, why do you think yoga studios or meditation studios in Los Angeles are packed like sardines? Well, it's the same Literally. thing with cigarettes, too. Cigarettes force people. Why do people smoke? Because it's forcing you to take, a, to take a breath, too. I'm sorry. I didn't mean you- to cut you off. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, you know, in Los Angeles, especially, or I could say, you know, my cousins are in Chicago, New York. If we have to try so hard to pay people to teach us to breathe and to sit quietly just for a moment, that's that's sad. And it's really um, it's nice that people are getting some intervention. But if we can learn to take that power back and I really love your program, Sandra, because uh, I tried to introduce it a little bit to my husband <laughs> and it's it's been around and I said I can't wait to try this and it's kind of an exciting thing and you know he kind of put it off to the end of the night and then he goes okay okay let's just okay fine and I thought you know baby steps I'm just I'm, I didn't even read the directions I just you know here's a couple cards just pick one and I'll pick one and he, you know, oh, this is, come on, this is, you know, my guy is very football, ESPN, alpha, um, uh-huh. he's feely, but, you know, at, at moments when when he's, uh, whatever, so he said, come on, really, this is so silly, this is so silly, and I said, just read the card, what's the, there's no, you know, problem, just read it, so yeah. I think it was one on caring, or it was um, an achievement, or something wonderful, all of the topics are great, and he read it. Oh, I think it was um, a time in your life. Reflect on a time in your life when someone had let you down or something. It was some touchy-feely thing. And he goes, really? Come on. And I go, yeah, really? (laughs) And so (laughs) I had him read just a little bit more. And then I think he got half to the half card. And then he goes, I'm not doing this. (laughs) And you know what? Even that was okay. Mm-hmm. And for just the first step, because this is going to stay on our coffee table. And I know my teenage son's going to do it. I know I'm going to do it again with him. And I know his willingness. It's just, you know, he, trying new things is a little hard for him. But it was so interesting. So that's why I was asking you about the resistance. I'm not giving up. It's it's a definite coffee table thing to have because it's wonderful for friends, for family. It's It's terrific. Well, thank you. And, you know, one thing that has, I think, been successful for some people is, you know, the taking the deck and just picking a card. And I know um, some folks that have used it as, as dinner table conversation where you pick a card and everybody answers the question on the back. You know, well, what does kindness look like to you and how does this how does this work in your life? And so it really tries to come up with a non threatening way to um, get people thinking about something. And sometimes just thinking about it is enough to, you know, to start prompting that change. And, you know, maybe, you know, people making a commitment and saying, okay, you know, I want to be kinder in my, you know, just in general in my life, you know, and at the end of the week, everybody checks in and says, okay, today, I opened the door for six people who had a bunch of bags in their hands, or, you know, I complimented one of my teachers, or, you know, I did this or that. And, 
really finding more ways to build all of these things into our lives just routinely and um, just becoming conscious of them in, in small bite-sized chunks. But yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, people sometimes don't want to be reflective um, and, you know, it does seem silly and I think it is more difficult for men, but, you know, my hope is um, and, and will continue to be that it just starts to get people talking even a little bit. And like you said, you know, it sits there for a little while and someone picks a car and they look at it and then it's not so scary. And the next time they come back to it and, you know, talking about it, like in the, if you're in the car with your kids driving them someplace, you know, Oh yeah. That conversation when they're, um, in the, um, you know, in the back seat, that's when my daughter and I always have really good conversations. That's, that's, so. a, and you know, the card he picked very interestingly enough, had to do with people letting him down or grief or loss. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, that was a pretty heavy card. Yeah. So <laughs> just the idea of, you know, how somebody reacts is also okay. Mm-hmm. As therapists, that's equally as important as if you answer the question. Mm-hmm. It, it was an ouch for him, and I know why. And uh, and he could only go so far. But then right. after we put the card away, put the box together again and kept it, it's staying on my coffee table, <laughs> um, we continued to have a little bit of a talk about it. And so it just was wonderful because it sparked something. So mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you have to be a perfectionistic top to bottom card and every thought, even if you just have the first line and that's all they can tolerate, really, it's lovely. And um, I would love you to Thank explain you. a little bit. How would you explain in really simple terms what this is that you created? Oh, you know, this is always the hardest part. You know, they, they call it the log line in the movies. Um, mm-hmm. And it really is is helping empower people to make a deeper connection by understanding what's involved in making a deeper connection. So sometimes I think it's that people, they want it. They just don't know how to get there sometimes. We see that a lot. Uh, And I think it's getting harder for people to do it naturally because of technology and because our society has become, uh, we are multitaskers. We are all over the place. A community is very scattered. And so I think all the things that you've laid out already about how this can be used uh, is so helpful at kind of bridging that. How do we get back to the one-on-one interaction? I, I, I missed I, I missed a, an opportunity to introduce you, so I really want to welcome everybody back and, and let you know that we're talking to Sandra Fisher. She's a Seattle-based professional writer and consultant. She's got a background in business. She's worked in communications, personal development, and organizational effectiveness, which she's mentioned, told us a little bit about. She's created this wonderful tool. We like to think of it as a game. She also refers to it as a tool called Relationship Reveal, and you can get this on Amazon. Go and check it out. You can also go to relationshipreveal.com and get a good look at it. It's really quite awesome. I love the quality of it as well. Uh, And uh, somewhere in the materials, I want to make sure that I'm not plagiarizing somebody. It was quoted as uh, a tool that gets to the heart of what matters in happy, healthy relationships. Uh, And you're also a fiction writer and you're working on your second novel. So kudos to you. That's that's a lot. Thanks. I have a uh, I have I have a lot of things that uh, keep me interested and uh, creatively busy. 
I just want to say clearly this is meaning, purpose, and passion in your life. And you and you can tell when you read the, the cards and all the work that you put into it. It can be a bit overwhelming. Jenny and I were talking about, whoa, like it can there's so much information and yet when you sit with it and then you start to play with it and then you start to really absorb it and over and over again you you can feel your passion and just how much you put into this so i i get it i mean there's nothing better in life than when someone does what they love in life and Thanks. puts their heart and soul and then it reaches other people really it's terrific thank you yeah it's you know i love um I love aha moments. So I've been a facilitator in uh, at different points in my life um, within the context of my corporate work, and you know that those are those amazing moments when you see somebody get something um, that really moves them forward um, in their growth and and makes a super positive change in their life. And um, you know that's one of the things that I hope this does for people. Coming from the professional world, the corporate world, and the work you've done there, what uh, tools have you found are effective for people in their relationships in both the professional business world and then in our personal? What kind of translates? What 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 can we use? Well, I you know I have to confess early on that I was a and technically still am a Myers Briggs um, type indicator facilitator, and it is probably one of my very favorite tools and is such a great starting point for people because it gives them uh, a lot of information about themselves that they can absorb and say, okay, this fits, this doesn't fit. But it really gives them some context for understanding why they do things the way that they do. And because there's been so much research done on it and it is so widespread, you know, I have conversations with people, oh, so what's your Myers-Briggs, you know, and they'll be, you know, I'm an ISTJ and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm an ENFP, you know, everyday new fun possibilities. Um, and um, so it's really fun because then you can have a conversation and you immediately have a context for um, who this person is and ways that you can communicate with them more effectively, what their needs might be. So, you know, it helps you understand if they're more of an I versus an E, um, you know, they're going to maybe have less tolerance for long times, long hours of time spent with big groups of people. Whereas an E, you know, maybe like, wow, this is my jam. Um, so it's just a great way um, for, you know, I used to work with teams and help teams increase, increase their performance um, by uh, using, using the Myers-Briggs tools. And then also with couples, you know, if your partner, um, you know, my husband is an ISTJ and I'm an ENFP. So really, I don't think there is, you know, we're about as 180 degrees different um, <laughs> than you can possibly be. But it does make for a lot of interesting understanding about where the other person is coming from. So that I think is a great tool that straddles um, both worlds and there's so much research out there about it. And can we just break it down that for people who have no idea what you're talking about? Yeah. Could you uh, just tell it, them what the Myers-Briggs is? They can Google what? Yeah. Google, you can Google the Myers-Briggs type indicator or the MBTI is its, um, short uh, acronym. And um, there are facilitators places online where you can take the type indicator and they'll give you back some results. You can actually go take a, a class where, you know, this 
might be part of it um, in your area. Um, but you can Google it online for sure. And there's lots of other programs. There's the Enneagram um, type indicator, which I myself have not used, but I know many people who have, and the DISC program. Um, so really, if you're looking, you, you can look at personality. Um, I think, what would it be? You guys might know a good how to search it. Um, personality type Test, indicators. Yeah. Have you taken the Meyer-Briggs, Wendy? Do you know what I you are? Did. I think I'm what... I think I'm what Sandra is. I think the ENF, what e ENFP. What is See, it? I'm an ENFJ. I think I'm what you are, Sandra. I think. Can't remember. My husband is an INFJ. We're exactly the same, only extroverted and introverted. I'm going to do, I'm going to give that to my husband since he's, mm -hmm. you know, I, I uh, yeah, oh yeah, we're doing that tonight, buddy. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting. I um, have, Start. I used it with my daughter. So we were driving in the car and I started asking her a bunch of questions. And, you know, we did it um, very loosely, but it was actually so great as a parent to have a better understanding of her. And it really, um, I think, made me a better parent in meeting her needs where she is. And of course, you know, people can, well, you know, maybe change over time. Um, but for right now, it was, it was such a great tool to have as a parent. And it was fun for her to have that self-knowledge um, about you know, a little bit more about who she is and why she likes things the way that she does. And it, it's, I think it's just fun. My friends and I did it as a group once. Um, we all, I did all the type indicators and the questionnaires for them. And so we sat over dinner one night and uh, just had a girl's night out talking about Myers-Briggs. So sure. I think any, any tool, whether it's in, in the corporate world or in the personal world, um, really, uh, that causes you to be a little bit self-reflective and gives you information about yourself because uh, I think is is really crucial to success anywhere, um, whether you're, you know, working in a business environment um, or you're at home with your family. Absolutely. The more you know about yourself, the the more effective you can be in creating connections that mean something. And that I think of all of the, you know, one of the big ahas as I was doing, you know, working and creating the cards, that was probably one of the biggest ahas is that there is no better thing that you can bring to a relationship than really good self-knowledge and a strong sense of self-worth because then you're coming from a place of you build your own safety, you build your own security and everything then that you can do with a partner is a bonus and you can just be so much more present for people and the fear factor goes down quite significantly. So when you were creating this or, or since you've created it, what, what have you come to believe are common mistakes that couples or people, any, even individuals are making in relationships? I think, you know, to go back to one of the things I said, you know, we talked about early on, was that just really that failure to invest and not just in the relationship itself, but in ourselves as human beings, you know, um, the, you know, it's really important that I bring to any relationship that I'm in a really good sense of well-being. I'm healthy emotionally, physically, um, and mentally, and, you know, as healthy as I can be and that I take care of myself. And part of that is self-knowledge. Um, so I think that failure to invest in ourselves and then again in our relationships is probably one of the biggest mistakes. 
Um, and we fail, you know, often fail to take accountability for our part and our actions. And we like to, you know, to, um, you know, I'm a big fan of attachment theory. And so, you know, when you look at attachment theory, one of the attachment theory types, it's, you know, we like to turn things around and blame things on other people because we, you know, that emotional connection is scary, both with ourselves and with our partners. So we, 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 we create that blame game, which I think really diminishes trust and breaks down respect. Um, I, I want to say, Sandra, that um, so looking through the guidebook, I mean, I could just mark everything. What I love about this and therapists really, uh, it, it, they really could have this as kind of uh, a wonderful tool to to help. If you're a family therapist, I do couples, I see um, families. I also do a lot of young adults and teens. But you know, often people don't have the vocabulary to share, you know, how they're feeling. So I love that it gives it words. But then I also love that you get into like the kinesthetic, physical. Um, you know, not only the spirituality, I think that's wonderful to discuss because I always talk to people about a moral compass. Mm -hmm. And so you have values, motivation, but what I really love, and I will be bringing this up again, because this is wonderful for couples and I talk about it all the time, but might be less threatening with a tool like yours, uh, the part on kissing and affection. I mean... Mm -hmm. It takes the burn out and the sting out of, you know, oh gosh, I don't have the right words or I, I'm not sure why we don't kiss or maybe we kiss um, on the cheek instead of the lips or on the neck. Really, I mean, the whole, it's, it, and then hello, sex. I mean, come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. We have to talk about all of it, money, sex, but you give words when people don't have the words and then they can agree or not agree. I think they can feel more in control as they use your tool. Um, it's really funny. I love, I love the kissing card. Um, and there's a, a great story about a couple I was working with. Um, they did uh, the value spread and they both you know, they picked their cards and put the ones that were the same in the middle and they both had chosen kissing. And so I said, okay, that's, that's great. Um, so tell me, uh, what does that look like for you in your life? So the first one went and, um, they said, oh, I am just so passionate about kissing. I could, I'm a romantic. So it's a moonlit night, you know, we're taking a stroll in the park and it's just so inspiring. I just want to kiss and, or in the movies or, you know, in the car. And, you know, this, this person was all over the place and how much they loved kissing and really anytime, anywhere. And you could see the other partner getting visibly stressed, ah. like, you know, just the anxiety, the physical manifestation in their body was like, uh-uh, no. And, abort, um, abort, yeah. abort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was uh, yeah, mission impossible. And um, then I said, okay, well, you know, so what does it look like for you? And they're like, nothing like that, because... I don't, I know, I don't like to kiss in public. I love kissing, but only at home. And so what was interesting was where they got to was this understanding that broke down the rejection cycle. So rather than have the person go in for a kiss in a romantic moonlit night, the other person stiffening and backing away or being uncom clearly uncomfortable, 
and then the other one feeling rejected and unwanted and unloved they actually could deal with it with a sense of humor and have so much fun with it you know like the uh, one partner could kind of playfully and appropriately teasing the other partner about it you know I'm going to come in for a kiss now you know and just playing with each other um but then they could also find a middle ground as to where they could kind of meet in the middle and help meet each other's needs before this conflict cycle actually started um that's one of the things I think is really great about these cards is that it's sort of neutral. It's not even the therapist in the room. It's not one of us in the room. It is, it's the card. It's kind of like, it's the Myers-Briggs. It's the card. And these are questions that the card is asking and not necessarily your partner, which makes it a little safer to mm -hmm. answer. And I I think the kissing card that, it, that you guys have just been discussing is really, uh, that's a great example of that because it highlights two people's differences on on something that we think is like a universal experience and then it can allow them as you're talking about to not feel rejected to understand where that other person is coming from and also feel like they're seen and heard and so it's not just like my partner doesn't seem to understand because there's so much in, in relationships and couples I feel where people just think, well, since we're together, you should just know that's that right. uh, it, that is to me one of those things that just sets off all the alarms when I hear somebody say, well, he should just know what I want for my birthday or he should know that I hate that or or she never she never does that. And she should know that I I hate these people, you know, and she's always making plans with them. And this offers people a non-triggering, well, I might trigger them, but a, a safer way to discuss these kinds of things because we take it for granted sometimes. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, we, and, and sometimes we think we know and actually we don't always know. You know, we think that because we've understood something at one point in time even that we, that it's still the same. And, you know, I think that's the other thing too, which over time, people change so much. You know, I am so not the same person um, that I was at 50 that I was at 20. I mean, I've had three decades of life that I've experienced and have grown so much in that time. And, you know, some of my interests are the same. And I would say some of my core values are the same. But even those core values um, have a different twist and a different spin. So one of the things, you know, is we're in these partnerships for long periods of time, we have to continually get to know each other over and over. And so there's a card I love in there. And um, it's, I think it's called be curious. And um, it really inspires people hopefully to stay curious about each other because you may not know, you know, what am I interested in today? You know, especially being an ENFP, if we go back to Myers-Briggs is definitely not what I was interested in like two weeks ago, you know, um, you know, I'm kind of a squirrel that way, but so, you know, keeping connected with each other and who the other person is and not taking things for granted and not making assumptions, um, I think is actually so core and, and creates that connection because it says, I still see you, even though we've been together a long time and I'm still interested in you and I care about what you think. I care about what you feel. I care about what you're interested in and I support that um, in you and the continued evolution of you. And, you know, so often couples feel very helpless and hopeless 
Mm -hmm. So they, they don't know how. So even if they do have the words and then they're able to name it, they're still the feeling, I don't know how to get to it. So when you said be curious, you said take time every day to find out the high and low points of your part. Set aside at least 15 minutes to talk uh, the end of each day. Uh, so wonderful to say that, and yet whether they purposefully do it or can't do it, they'll say, oh, that's easy to say, 15 minutes. But if you can't find 15 minutes in a day, maybe you don't want to. And then that helps me to understand, do we want to connect or do we want to avoid? So, you know, because it's, again, I always say move heaven and earth, but it is moving heaven and earth, even to teach people how to kiss hello or kiss goodbye. So you're saying 15 minutes. I'm trying to just go for five for my couples, and they can't can't do that at times. Yeah. But that's okay. Well, you know, and it's, um, it is hard, I mean, to find that time in a busy day with different schedules, with people having different commitments on their time and energy, whether it's work and, you know, they come home, they put the kids to bed, and then all of a sudden they have to go back to their laptops and finish up the work that, you know, uh, they didn't do during the day that needs to be done. Um, and so it, it is hard. So one of the things I try to get people to think about, um, and I don't know if it necessarily makes it hundred percent easier, but finding ways to build fun into that, you know, make it over, you know, if you make it like a chore, um, you know, it's not ever going to work, but I always think of Tom Sawyer and he's painting that fence and that old version of, uh, with Johnny Whitaker where Tom Sawyer's out there and he's whitewashing the fence. And somehow he manages to get all the boys in town to not only like give him their stuff, but then also paint the fence for them because somehow he spun it and he made it really fun. And so that. how can we um, get people and, and to think more in terms of making things fun? So it's not a chore. Connecting your part with your partner should not be a chore. It should be a time in your day where you can sit down, take a deep breath and and actually, you know have this connection point it should be it should be interesting and and fun and have some element to it like that so that people want to do it well i think also the point of a relationship for for me and so i'm not going to like say it's for everybody but um i that is i want my partner being alone with my partner at the end of the day just to talk and hang out is my goal. Whatever else I'm doing, it's not that nothing else is important. It's not that I'm not a fully formed person without my husband, but I look forward to that. It's my special treat. It is what makes everything worth it. And it's the thing that when I get frustrated about other things and I find my energy uh, getting uh, tied up in a lot of things that have short-term value, but lack long-term meaning I have to remind myself you know like okay in the at the end the most important thing is going to be my relationship with this person with that with my parents with my friends with my co-workers and especially with my partner so trying to really appreciate those relationships above all else because they're sort of what motivates me to do everything else I do Really? Yeah. Well, we live in a, we live in a culture of busy, 
And busy has become this new badge of honor, you know, like I'm, I'm so busy and I'm so, you know, I've got so much to do and we have all these demands on our time. Um, and so it, I think at least for me, one of my own personal objectives has really been how do I scale back and really prioritize how I spend my time and, and where I invest my emotional energy and, um, because I, I wasn't getting a whole lot of satisfaction out of just being busy. And we set this bar of perfectionism up there for ourselves. And achieving that bar sometimes um, causes, you know, adds to the busy, but then adds to this a massive amount of stress. And so I've really started like coming up with some things to say in my head, like, you know, is this going to matter to me in two weeks? Like, is this something I really should get stressed about? If I if I wait and do this until tomorrow, is you know the world going to stop spinning? And generally, the answer is uh, almost a hundred percent of the time, no. <laughs> and the right. world is going to keep spinning, as far as I know. Um, oh yeah, we can beat ourselves a- up about things like, oh God, I really don't feel well. But I I told Wendy I would go to this party that she's having, and if I don't go, blah, blah, blah. you know. Meanwhile, Wendy's worried yeah. about the other fifty people who are coming and the food and the, the you know, and mm-hmm. me not coming isn't going to make the whole thing tumble. I mean, obviously. Yes, it is. I love my Jenny. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Okay. No pressure. Damn it. The, the, the football game is going to fall apart if I don't have my girl over. But no, I think you're right because so it's a, a lot of cognitive behavioral aspects of it too. It's really separating the feelings versus the thoughts. And yeah, again, giving them the words. You know, often in couples work, one person will come back and say, well, I did my homework and he didn't. Or I did my homework and she didn't. So very, very childlike, right? Yeah. Like it's a competition or honestly, it's diagnostic of who is really wanting the relationship and who really doesn't. You know, often Mm -hmm. couples come to therapy to either work on it or they come to break up in therapy and they just can't. So... So I think, you know, I'm going to make a statement that, you know, it would be interesting to to debate a little bit. Um, I think, and this is only my personal theory, I think we've become also a, we're afraid to break up. We're afraid to let relationships go. And we're afraid, you know, when things aren't working, um, you know, we, we sometimes are afraid to step back and just say, it's, it's not working anymore. And I, I want it to be okay to move on. And, um, you know, we live a really long time uh, comparatively to, you know, previous generations. And, you know, we have, a, uh, you know, we think of relationships should look like this. There should be a box and, and it's defined um, as a cultural norm, which says, you know, we have to get married, have children, be together forever and, um, you know, go forth and prosper. But I don't know that that looks like that for everyone. And sometimes, um, I don't know how to say this. Uh, and I think sometimes we, we put so much store in that concept that it adds heaps on the sense of failure when it is time to move on in relationships. Um, and we stay too long at the party. 
And I think that your, I call it a program because I really do feel like it's something you can introduce and even keep, you know, if you have a table in your office as a therapist or as an educator, you know, there just so it's an option because sometimes it's easier to talk with the cards uh, about what's working or not working. And maybe that would also be able to facilitate a conversation of courage and hope that everyone needs to get their needs met. And, and it's okay. Like you said, I, yeah, you're right. Uh, how many times do we get couples that say, oh, we're not going to break up for the kids. And I say, ah, you know what? Let's not use the children as a reason to deflect from taking responsibility on getting the life that you want, getting the love that you want, getting the peace and serenity that you want. Your kids will be you know, for the most part, my experience over almost 20 years is kids are incredibly resilient and children know what the deal is with parents. Even, you know, I'm an attachment therapist too. So whether it's a baby, a toddler or an elementary school kid, they sense energy, the attunement or misattunement, uh, you know, kids, kids know. And so if mom and dad aren't happy, the family is not going to flow. Right. And why not take this moment in life to empower yourself put words to it, which is what your wonderful program is about, and and, and and see possibilities of using more vocabulary to identify what's happening and move forward. And a lot of my clients can be friends after divorce, which is really interesting and cool. So Sandra, yeah. what do you believe are indicators that a relationship has run its course? Um, I, you know, I think my first, I always kind of go back to intuition. Um, and I think, you know, when people, people kind of know when they're done, um, you know, and they have, you know, maybe they've worked hard <laughs> at it. Um, they're not interested in investing anymore. And, and I think that people have to, you know, if, if they've done the work, um, and they really understand why it's time to go, then, you know, then it has run its course. Um, I'm not answering as concisely as I would like. Um, but I, I think sometimes, you know, people have an agreement um, and maybe, you know, one part of the relationship is over, but they want to stay together for other reasons um, and they maybe remain committed friends and they're both okay with that. Um, then you, the relationship has shifted and you're moving on from one part of the relationship to another, but that takes courage to kind of admit and confront that that's where they are. I think, um, you know, maybe they've tried to work through the issues and it's okay to say, you know, the square peg does not fit in a round hole. It doesn't make either one of us bad. Um, it just means that it's not the right relationship for this next part of our life. So an intuition can tell you that. Um, also, you know, just saying I've done the work and you feel as though you're done but it requires courage to be able to say that for most people that I'm I'm done with this and I don't want to be here anymore it doesn't doesn't meet my needs it doesn't fit me anymore and I want to be friends I want to move on I want to have these other things in my life and uh, I think people know I guess that's a long answer to I think people often know but they're really afraid to say so because they don't want to lose all the great things that they have in that relationship um, and that come with it. You know, if you're married and you, or you're partnered and you've melded into each other's families, you've got children together. The um, there's so much. Yeah. yeah, you've made a huge investment. And so the relationship may be over, but 
people are afraid to actually let it go because our our culture has a a really interesting norm of you have to almost shred it and and make it this really painful horrible you know like you know shred it up stomp it out and um you know addicted to drama addicted to drama but i really think you know i think you you said it that um that you know, you're, a lot of your couples, when they separate, they walk away still really good friends. And I think that that's possible when people particularly have a strong sense of self-worth. And that doesn't say there's not grieving that's going to happen. There's not a strong sense of loss. But I think it's that loss of that dream of what could have been and that loss of certain aspects of the friendship. But I don't think we have to lose as much. And if people felt like they were empowered to actually design a post-breakup relationship that might meet their needs and both partners were on board, people might be less afraid to say, I, I, I don't want to be here anymore. You know? And I, you know, I just want to say again to the relationship reveal, um, this is wonderful for my teens and young adults that are, or I would say singles that are looking to be very clear on what they're looking for. It helps them again, really go back to their moral compass mm-hmm. and, put words to it. And you know what? Some people don't want to know. So, you know, some people are going to, they, they want to put their head in the sand. And so when they say they want to, what I call a fully cooked adult man, but they're really dating a boy uh, and they're good with that, then mm-hmm. that's okay. That's okay too. You know, there's nobody's yeah. agenda, but their own. I just want everybody to get what they want. But but let's be very clear. If you say you want marriage and children with a adult man, but you're dating players and people who don't want to commit, we have to take a little bit of a look at it unless you're going to be yeah. 60 and, 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 you know, date and have fun, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're coming to me and you really want to set firm goals, this is a wonderful tool to really put words to clarify what they're looking for so that they can go out and really go, oh, yes, you know, he's got a good value system. He's affectionate. We're talking about money. We're, ta- you know, getting really clear. It's wonderful. It, and it's, um, you know, I'm a big uh, law of attraction person. And I, I believe in, th- in focusing really on what you want um, and not what you don't want. Um, and so that was one of the, the reasons why I uh, that I created this is so that people could focus on what they wanted, which is great for singles and people that are newly dating they really can say these are the the deal you know these are the the non-negotiables for me and these are the things that are really super important to me and this is what they look like in my life and so this is what I want to find in a partner and it really helps them attract that and also makes it easier to say no thank you to somebody who isn't going to meet those needs totally it's also i'm excited because i could see young adults getting together having cocktail parties with this or a book club getting together you know you can have a lot of fun uh things to do but it's also like you said it's a very positive thing so uh, since we're since we're 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 conversing i'm curious um you know about what you what your answers would be to that question of um, you know, when, when do you think a, a relationship has run its course? I think it varies. Um, I agree with the things that you were saying, uh, Sandra. I think that there is, in every individual, you have an instinct, you have a gut feeling. Uh, we talk about this a lot, that we need to be in tune with that. And I think it, it, goes into some of the things we were talking about earlier too that relationship reveal can help you with knowing yourself 
Um, and understanding that there's the relationship and then there's your relationship with yourself. There's the relationships you have with your partner and the relationship you have with yourself and uh, how are those lining up. Um, I think that I think when you find when people find themselves moving their boundaries and being submissive to somebody else's values and putting theirs on the back burner where their interests and um, uh, values and, and things that are really important to them are taking a backseat to their partners. Um, that can be a big red flag, red flag that there are issues in the relationship. It doesn't necessarily always look like people are fighting all the time. Some, sometimes fighting is an okay thing because you're getting things out and people are talking uh, yeah. or yelling, but there might be, there's, there's at least an attempt to communicate. I think when there's no longer uh, attempts to communicate, then you're getting into some sketchy territory but it, it will look different for everybody I think if you suddenly have a real big shift in your relationship and things aren't working and you're not feeling it again that gut instinct then it has to be looked at so I, I yeah I, I know I asked you kind of an impossible question because there's not really one great big indicator but I, I actually think your answer is the closest how do you feel about it how does that person in the relationship feel about it if you feel like oh shit something's not good here I think I gotta get out even if that scares you or I think that other person wants to get out then you need to start taking an inventory what about you Wendy well you know I think my first gut instinct is to say let's look at the red flag issues safety issues of addiction or domestic violence or whatever but you know even in those situations couples can be hooked in and addicted to love and adrenaline and even the danger uh how often do we see somebody's trauma past hook up with another child's uh, adult's you know wounded self so they're hooked in and they are um addicted to, to two damaged souls that just kind of continue to play that out. I've had a lot of couples that say they're gonna break up and they say uh, we're gonna get divorced. And then I will say, are you all having sex and intimacy right now? And they say, like crazy. So they'll fight, they will rage. Sometimes I have to you know, set the boundary and open the door. I used to be a preschool teacher, so I'll stand up, I'll open the door and say, if we can't use an inside voice, you all need to go because this is there's nobody listening here. But it really is their agenda for their life. You know, what what is happiness to them? What is peace to them? And sometimes, you know, and you, you mentioned, Sandra, uh, uh, cultural issues. I, I take cultural considerations, not just if you grew up with a family that fights, but maybe an Italian family or maybe a Hispanic family or maybe, you know, different aspects of families that in their culture, they're very passionate at connecting. So, it, or intercultural, um, multicultural families, right? So somebody didn't come from a fighting family and they're, you know, Caucasian and uh, just, you know, going regular communication or even quiet communication and you marry a hot-headed Persian man, you know, and in the Persian culture, that might be passionate to get escalated or elevated, but it's not yelling. So there's so many factors. 
but the bottom line is they have to feel safe. And if you're sitting on wanting to be out of a relationship for a long time, it's it's it, that that's meaningful. And so, you know, do you feel like you deserve um, punishment or to feel awful inside? But if you're going to stay, then stay and continue on. But if you're going to stay and want to be empowered in therapy or life coaching or have some friend, you know, who really is goal oriented, then, you know, get those tools. Be It goes back to responsibility. And let's look at the responsibility card again. You know, what do I want for my life? And even if I'm scared to get it. I tell my couples all the time, panic attack right through because you, <laughs> you can hold the feeling and still get the goal. And it's scary. But for the most part, when people deal with the reality of the situation, they're so relieved and so much stronger than they thought they were. There's no right answer is what I guess we're all saying. And I think long-term relationships, whether they are family relationships, friendships, or romantic relationships, they... The ones that last the longest are the ones that are most naturally or easily uh, renegotiated. And that's, to me, renegotiation is the key to any long-term relationship because just like you were talking about early on, Sandra, you're not the same person you were probably when you started this project this to create right. this game, right? So we're not the same people from day to day, month to month, year to year that we first were when we met our partners. And so we can't expect them to be either. And so that's where communication comes in and where this game tool program, however you want to look at it, is so <laughs> useful because I think we can take it for granted too. I mean, I'm hyper communicative in my relationship, but I can pull out one of these cards and just start talking to my husband about it. And we're, you know, we, we can have a 20 minute conversation just even theoretically, like, well, what does that question mean? You know, he, he can give me a smart ass answer, but then I can give him an equally smart ass answer that kind of has some serious truth to it back because I understand how we communicate uh, and right. and get somewhere. So it is you about know, the renegotiation. Couples don't know how to talk on dates. You know, how often do we go, go on date night and don't talk about the kids and don't talk about what I call the list, you know, of what you, the, the case management list of the things at home. But then they say, okay, well, we're just looking, we're sitting with silence. This would be a great thing. Bring a couple cards, you know, ha have some coffee or tea or dessert and, you know, just just make it uh, very light. The other thing that you were saying is, you know, with my guy, I can pick a card for myself, have it in my mind, and bring it up as a conversation. I don't even need to let you know that I've read a card and I'm doing a card on you or with you. Right. I am. Um, I I sometimes will put them in my uh, like on the kitchen windowsill, and um, so it just sits there, or the in the attach it to the bathroom mirror. So everybody sees it and you just, you know, you, you, you eventually will tune it out until it becomes a different card. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, for the, for the short time that it's there, it just becomes something that then you think about and it tips your thought process, especially once it's something new in the environment. Um, and you know, you're not used to seeing it there for a while. How often do we 
you know, just want to meditate on one thought. So sometimes people, I will say, put put books or nice thoughts or meditation books in your bathroom. And I know that sounds silly, but, you know, and grab a card and read it. And then when you, you know, throughout the day, it can just be on your mind to meditate on that thought. And it would be so interesting throughout the day what comes up just thinking about values or responsibility or caring. It, it's it's great. So, Sandra, you talk about... Um emotionally empowered people how do we recognize someone who's emotionally empowered and how do people become emotionally empowered um i think they well the the very short answer is they do the work um i think i i don't know of a human being who doesn't have some work still to do so there's there's always you know it's kind of like home improvement on your house you're never really finished um but I think it's really getting, again, understanding who you are and really containing a very strong sense of self-worth, which a lot of people don't understand the difference between self-worth and self-esteem. And self-worth is that really strong feeling of feeling worthy of love and being open to receiving love and caring and affection and just feeling worthy of being alive here on the planet. And um, it's quite different than self-esteem, as you guys know. And I think emotionally empowered people have a really strong sense of self-worth as a starting point. Um, They understand what their triggers are. They understand um, their history and how that history has affected them. So we all come with baggage, no matter who you are, but it's sort of what do you do with that baggage and how heavy is it? How much do you keep with you? I mean, some people are going to have a truckload and some people have kind of whittled it down to a small backpack. Um, Get me the dolly. Get me the baggage (laughs) cart. Roll it on over here. An airplane. Yes. And so it's sort of what, you know, what have we done with that? And I think when we look at other people, you know, signs from, you know, other people as what is the quality of the conversation that you have? How compassionate, how much empathy do they display? Um, How much do they really seek to understand your point of view? Um, How do they treat other people? Um, I think, you know, I consider emotionally empowered people, hopefully, are generally very kind and you know, reach out to the world in a different way. They, they approach the world in a different way. But I don't know that we can really um, understand if somebody is truly emotionally empowered until it, they, they experience some form of life stress. And then it becomes clear how deeply conditioned that emotional empowerment is. Do they totally and completely fall apart and revert to, you know, really... Uh, unempowered sorts of behaviors that are based in a fear-based model that they can't move past, or do they actually manage life stress in a in an appropriate, um, powerful way? So um, that's a kind of long answer to your short question. Along that line, then, what does healthy confidence look like? Um, I think healthy confidence is you really believe in yourself. You believe that you can do things. You're willing to take appropriate levels of risk. Um, and to me, confidence is, is kind of healthy. Confidence is a little bit quiet. Um, you know, you're not boastful. You're not bragging. You just, you believe you can do something. And you go out and you do it. And you don't, 
you know, over talk it, you don't undersell it. You don't, um, you just, you show up and you're there and you're kind and you're generous. Um, that to me is what confidence feels like. And, and you believe in yourself. So this is to both of you. I know, Wendy, you've looked through them and obviously you have an intimate understanding, Sandra, but what are your individual, like individually, what are your favorite cards? Like what's your favorite card in the deck? Or if you're just, which one stands out to you uh, just personally? I love the kissing one. I told you that's, that's awesome because couples always want to talk about it and Yep, it's uh, it's great. It's great for uh, for teens and parents. Like moms are, you know, I always want to invade their teen space sometimes and want to go. Oh, I just want to kiss you, or grandparents, or you know. So we, then it gets into a wonderful talk about boundaries setting. Uh, I love the kissing one for for all of it. I, I like all of them, but the kissing one's fun. So I have to. Um... I, I am really terrible at narrowing things down. Um, and so my favorite card used to be challenge convention because I really like the idea that people can make the life that they want for themselves and that they're empowered to do so. That just because you were taught to do things one way or we were socialized to believe something looks red, that if you want it to be green and it's not hurting anybody else for it to be green, it can be green. So go forth and make the life that you want. Um, then recently, my new favorite card is laughter, um, because I, laughter just, it's such a great connecting force, um, and laughter and makes us feel better, and it's free, yeah, and when you laugh with your friends, with your family, with your partner, with your children, and you really laugh, that, that you know, kind of belly laugh, and you make each other smile, um, that really creates deep connections and can overcome so many different things. I love a sense of humor. Yeah. And I myself, I'm quite, quite silly. So, um, gotta laugh. Yeah. Gotta laugh. <laughs> gotta laugh. To long-term couples, I'll always ask them, what do you think the factors are in staying together for many, many years? And they will always say the three main things laughter communication and chemistry yeah i i would yeah. say laughter uh communication and shared values and goals i always think that and this kind of goes back to when do you know a relationship is over too because what is your long-term goal in terms of what you want your life to look like totally. if you're sharing your life with somebody hopefully you guys want it to look the same even if it feels differently and your part in it is different than the other person you still want it to kind of look the same if you see yourself traveling the world in your 70s and your partner is like no I see myself living on a golf course where I'm going to just feed the ducks and read a book every day and you're thinking you you and your partner are going to be climbing mountains well then that's a big difference you know you better get that ironed out. What <laughs> if you're going to yeah. move forward? And maybe it's cool. Maybe you're totally cool, like, leaving your partner at the golf course, and they're cool being left while you go with your friends to climb that mountain. But, again, it has to be discussed and um, negotiated. I, and I just want to say I think one of my favorite cards is authenticity. Because, yeah. and it goes along with the shoulds and the supposed tos that you're talking about. I 
tend to work from a narrative stance. Narrative therapy is kind of my focus. And so much of it is about social messaging and um, cultural messages. What were you told in your family of origin was the way things were supposed to be? What did you learn in your social circles that you should look like or feel Mm -hmm. like or be treated in a particular way and then challenge that, right? So that's the beginning. And then once you kind of realize what those things are, then you have a shot at really being authentically yourself. And when you're going into a relationship, the sooner, I mean, obviously we all want to lead with our best, you know, behavior and, and assets. We want to, we, we kind of want to lay those out, but you know, maybe you want to save a little gold for later. But, uh, I think some people, they start to fear that when that person gets to really know them or see their gritty, their gritty side or what I call the salty bits <laughs> will, will then like run in another direction. So I think like this, the more comfortable we can be with our salty bits, the, uh, the easier it's going to be, uh, to get close to someone and to not be devastated if they can't handle us. Um, yeah, because that's what we, we need people, not just who are going to love us when we're at our best, but who are going to be there and love us and accept us and put up with us, even if we're obnoxious and they don't particularly like it, like it, but they love us, you know, when we're got to love the ugly, love the ugly. I need to know that my person can handle my big stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. And that I handle yeah. their kiss my flaws right it's like you know it's like what what it is about me that i'm i may even have taken a long time to get okay with it's like i gotta live with it every day every minute so you better be okay with it too and and more than you being okay i want you to celebrate it (laughs) um there's a, a great article um because I'm with you on all of those things. And, and I would add, and I, I think respect is just kind of an inherent assumption in, in all of the things you said, but that respect is so pivotal um, to success in any relationship, particularly the longer that you're together, because they do get messy. Um, and there's a great article that is one of my favorites written by a guy named Mark Mason. And I think it just came out this January on courts, um, And uh, I can send you guys the link and it's called every successful relationship is successful for the exact same reasons. And he does this really beautiful job of um, uh, laying out all of the things that we just talked about um, in a, in a really great way. If people are looking for something to, uh, to read about that. Well, so that goes into tips and resources. Obviously I think, Everybody listening should go out and order yourselves a copy of Relationship Reveal. Uh, You can get it on Amazon.com. You will not be disappointed. It is beautiful. You can also click through to Amazon through the RelationshipReveal.com site. What else? What else would you recommend? There's There's a list of books on there. A lot of the ones that Wendy and I recommend, including The Five Love Languages, Passionate Marriage, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Yeah, you had a lot of our greatest hits on there. Yeah, Hold Me Tight, Attached. Getting the Love You Want, I think you had on there, Harville Hendricks. Yeah. yeah, Getting the Love You Need or Want. Uh, Yeah, I think it's Getting the Love You Want, yeah. 
No, that's yeah, a great I mean, one. It's what it's, it's want or need. And maybe need and want. Yeah, exactly. And there's a there's a book on there that I'm sure people probably wonder why do I have this one book on there? But and I I'll I'll explain it because I think it's important. There's a book there called Open by Jenny Block, and um, it's about her journey with her husband, about how they created an open marriage. And so I didn't have it. Um, on there necessarily as a blueprint for how to create an open marriage. What I have it on there for though, is a look at how a couple can actually look at places where they're different and where they're struggling and can come up with a model that works for them. So, you know, whatever, whatever it is that might be something that you need, let's say one person really loves to travel and the other doesn't, you know, how do you work it out so that that one person who loves to travel gets to go out and travel as, you know, that that's important. So it was just a great blueprint for how um, people can kind of work through some of those almost non-negotiable differences that don't have an answer. Cause you know, the person who loves to travel isn't suddenly going to want to start staying home. Um, so that was another sort of different one um, that I, I really enjoyed for that reason. Negotiation is key. Absolutely. We actually just had a conversation a couple episodes ago with our friend Jenny Steinberg here about uh, asexuality, but we're also talking about polyamory and open relationships and how much we can learn about communication Mm -hmm. from them because it's so essential to any functional, open, or polyamorous relationship that communication is present and so I appreciated the fact that you had that book on the list because, you know, just because the relationships might look different than the ones we want doesn't mean that there's not something there to learn from it and take away. Exactly. Dr. Wendy's Dream Journal. Dr. Wendy's Dream Journal exercise. Wendy, do you have any thoughts for what people might be able to do? So I love to suggest that people get a journal and it can be a goals journal, a dream journal, but to put their feelings and thoughts. And I would definitely suggest really, I I just love your program and it's a, it's a tool. If not anything, I think they should check out your website, but uh, if you want to grow, this is a wonderful tool to help grow. And I would I don't know, make maybe uh, two or three cards and you can even pick them blindly or you can make an effort to just pick them. And what does that bring up for you? And then maybe pick three ones of what you have or don't have in your relationship. You know, what, what would that look like if you if you could have that? Um, this This whole program that you've developed is really all about what I call meaning, purpose, and passion in life to to really get the best out of what you want to have happen in your life. And I believe everything is possible. And we can't do it, though, if we can't see it. And, and we can't say it if we can't see it. So that's why this tool is so wonderful. It really kickstarts people into helping them in a really gently um, authentic and humanistic way. So get your dream journal and grab a couple cards and start writing a little bit, even if they're bullet points, you know? Well, thank you so much for your enthusiasm and your support of, of what we've tried to do with Relationship Reveal. Um, really, I just hope it helps people. Uh, it will. I, sure. Absolutely. I think it totally can. I think it will. I, it sounds like it already is. And yeah, like Wendy said, if you have Relationship Reveal, uh, 
and you just pick some of these cards for your relation uh, for your relationship journal for your dream journal for your journal um, I mean all of them have questions on them I mean you can just sit down there's sort of like writing prompts you know how do you learn new information about your partner how do you use your imagination what does your partner do that inspires you I mean just one of those you could sit down and find yourself writing for half an hour uh, or just make a list or it's again it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a dear diary as Wendy always says it can Look however you want it to, but it, it, draw a picture. Can, if you're an artist, draw a picture. Yeah, what does accept? What does acceptance look like? Or music. If you love music, list a couple songs that have that feeling of what it is that you want. You know. And another thing that I think is really great about this, and it kind of reminds me of Cards Against Humanity, uh, is that you included blanks, so uh, so you can make your own and maybe that's something else that somebody would want to do in the dream journal like potentially what what might be missing from relationship reveal and i'm sure they could write to you too and say hey what do you think about this one maybe for you know 2.0 you'll be yeah. using some of your users greatest hits what skill might be missing from the deck for you and how you know as a as a listener as somebody who's using it and how might you practice that skill i think that's something you could do definitely well and i will tell you for sure that my son does not have a lot of summer plans we will be using your tools for sure and i think it's going to help us to develop some summer plans based on his answers so thank you, Sandra. Awesome. Sandra, awesome. thank you so much for joining us today. I want to make sure that we have all the correct information on where people can find you. I have, obviously, relationshiprevealed.com. Uh-huh. Is it okay for people to check you out at sandrakfisher.com? Um, sure. Yeah, that's a, um, a different aspect of my business, but it also gives people a, a, a more rounded picture of, of who I am and what I do. Um, so, yeah, they can they can look at either. For the product, though, the Relationship Reveal website is the best. You can also find Sandra on Twitter at SKFisherSEA, and she spells Fisher S-C-H-E-R, so F-I-S-C-H-E-R, S-K-F-I-S-C-H-E-R-S-E-A. Uh-huh. And you're also on Facebook, and they can email you at info at relationshipreveal.com. Absolutely, and I love to hear people um, from people about questions. They may have challenges that they're having use, uh, using it because, um, you know, I've, I've kind of got a pool of information now that I really can give people some advice if they're interested. Um, so, you know, definitely reach out what's working, what's not working, just anything you want to talk about. Uh, so I'm assuming that you see people that you work with people in person in Seattle where you're based, but do you also do video conferencing or webinars mm -hmm. or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Yep. So I can, I can work with people um, all over the place and I've recently become a hypnotherapist. So I also have added a different skill to my repertoire, which works uh, really nicely in tandem with other therapeutic modalities. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm loving it. Well, no wonder I'm feeling sleepy. No, I'm not. Right. <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> uh, so, 
So thanks everybody for tuning in again. Uh, you can find me, Jenny with an I, at Twitter. I'm at Jenny JV Wilson on Instagram. I'm the Preppy Rebel. You can email me at jenniferjvwilson at gmail.com. My website is jennyjvwilson.com. We're both on Facebook. Uh, I'm at Jenny JV Wilson and Wendy's at Dr. Wendy O'Connor and Associates. You can find Wendy on her YouTube channel, on Twitter. Where are you on Twitter, Wendy? Twitter at AskDRWendy. On Instagram, I am DRWendy, DrWendyO'Connor.com, and that's spelled out, D-O-C-T-O-R. And you can call us with questions, comments, and, uh, you know, if you want to get in touch with any of our guests, 310-712-1230. And feel free to email us your feedback or questions at relationshipshowla at gmail.com. And we look forward to seeing you next time. As always, we encourage you to be as authentically yourselves as you can possibly stand. And as Wendy always says, stay open. And that's it, ladies. Yay. You guys are awesome. Thank you so, so much. As you must realize by now, Relationship Reveal is a cool and different way for us to learn about ourselves, our loved ones, and how we approach our various relationships. If you're not ready for couples therapy, don't know how to begin those deep conversations you're longing to have with your partner or dinner guests, or if you simply want to sort out where you are in your own life's journey, well, this tool offers a welcome and dutiful assist. We want to thank Sandra Fisher for sharing her creation with the world and coming on the podcast to talk about it with us. Once again, you can find Relationship Reveal at relationshipreveal.com or through amazon.com. It's a great gift. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to drop us a line at relationshipshowla at gmail.com. And however it happens, may the beauty of your relationship and your authentic self be revealed to you. Stay curious, keep talking, keep listening. And we'll see you next time on The Relationship Show. I'll try to keep myself open up to you. That's a promise that I made to love. When it was new, just like Jericho, I said, Let these walls come tumbling down. I said it like I finally found the way To keep the good feelings alive. I said it like it was something to strive for I'll try to keep myself open up to you and approve your self-expression I need that too I need your confidence baby and the gift of your extra time the time to invest in your relationship is before it's broken